0: Hello and welcome to English Practice for Healthcare, a podcast designed to help you improve your English confidence by listening to real conversations with English speakers. If this is your first time listening, then hello and thank you for choosing this podcast to support your English learning. I'm Helena and I'm an English language teacher, but I'm also a registered nurse. I've taken a break from nursing due to some health problems of my own But this has only increased my interest in talking to people about their own health experiences and um, to learn more about how health impacts people's lives. Because these are natural conversations, we are talking quite fast. So you might find it useful to read what we are saying as you listen and to check the spelling of any vocabulary that is new to you by using the transcript, which is free for every episode on and it's on my website to download www.englishpracticeforhealthcare.com As we go through the episode I will also explain some of the language that comes up and set questions you can answer to test your listening that you can try and answer as we go along if you would like to. As the themes of each episode are about health, then this is the perfect listening practice for any healthcare professionals learning English. However, as always, please remember this is not designed for you to make any medical decisions, but to help you feel more comfortable in your own conversations with your patients. Okay, so let's get started with episode six. Have you ever broken a bone? And have you ever had to receive medical treatment in a foreign country? In episode four, we heard from Jack, who received treatment for his ear infections in Spain. In this episode, you will hear from Kevin. Kevin broke his leg, or we can also say fractured his leg, while skiing in France. I have split this interview with Kevin into two parts. In part one, which is this episode, you will hear about the two different surgeries that Kevin required after he broke his leg. The first one was in France and the second one was in England. Part two, which will be the next episode released, is about the time following his second surgery. So, some language to listen out for and the questions to answer. Funnily enough, this is an example of an idiom. In English, we use a lot of idiomatic expressions and these can sometimes be quite confusing because the meaning isn't literal. So, funnily enough is used to describe a detail that is surprising often something that is a strange coincidence. For example, when you are thinking about someone and then you see them unexpectedly. So try and listen out for what surprising detail Kevin uses this idiom for when describing his accident. Secondly, you will hear Kevin describe the time of day his accident took place as dusk dusk is the time of day before night when the sun is setting and it's beginning to get dark so that's dusk at the time just before nightfall okay and thirdly why was kevin's break or why was kevin's fracture more complex than other types of fractures So listen out for Kevin talk about this. Okay, let's begin. Okay, so hi, Kevin. Hi. How are you? Not so bad. Good, good. Thank you for talking to us today. And can I just ask first, where are you from?
1: Uh, I'm originally from Newcastle or around Newcastle, Sunderland, but I've lived in Sheffield now for 30, 35 years.
0: And is there an accent in Newcastle?
1: There is an accent in Newcastle, mine isn't a Newcastle accent, it's more of a Sunderland accent and it's probably got a bit softer as I've been away for, well, maybe 40 years, 40 odd years.
0: Okay, so it's not the Geordie accent? Okay, that's the accent in Newcastle, okay. Mm. And the experience you had with your health that we're going to talk about today, uh, that happened some time ago, is that right?
1: Yeah. It was something like 2000,
0: 2001. Mm-hmm. So uh, where were you?
1: Uh, on a skiing holiday. So late in the day, classic time of the day when accidents happened. You've been skiing all day, you're tired. Mm-hmm. Dusk is uh, falling mm-hmm. and uh, you're coming down the mountain, going fairly slowly and I fell and suffered a tibia and fibula fracture mm. complicated because it was I didn't know at the time but it was a, um, a spiral fracture fracture
0: a spiral fracture
1: which apparently is a little more complete, uh, complicated than a straight break
0: okay so you were on the ski slope at the time
1: yeah when I was after the accident I was taken off the slopes. First of all, I was taken off by a a ski guy who pulls the stretcher down. Mm-hmm. Then you get transferred to a skidoo. He takes you down. Then the skidoo transfers you to a an ambulance. Then the ambulance takes you to the local hospital, and mm-hmm. uh, you're then admitted. And I don't think the operation was that day because it was quite late. So I think following day uh, was when we had the operation. Right, but. The, uh, probably one of the the main problem at the, at the, at the beginning was uh, getting the ski boot off. Mm. So the uh, ski boot, the brake was just above the ski boot. So it was quite difficult taking the ski boot off without causing a problem. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, when they took the boot off, it was very <laughs> painful. And uh, I, I, I think I screamed. Right, And scared right. everybody who was in the waiting room. Oh, gosh.
0: So can you remember what was going through your mind at the the time of the accident when it actually happened? What
1: no, not really, because the accident just happened. One minute you're standing up, next minute yeah. you're lying down, and, you, you know, you've broken it. Funnily enough, the guy behind me who I was skiing with was a doctor. Right. So he came, and I do remember uh, a woman stopping... Uh, And I remember lying there in the snow and my head was on her lap. And so that was uh, quite a thing. But otherwise, I don't remember very much, to be honest, until I uh, got to the hospital.
0: Okay. And when did you find out that you needed an operation? I think it was fairly
1: obvious they were going to do Mm. it. There wasn't much discussion about it, actually. Because I suppose it's a bit like a conveyor belt, the hospital in mm. France, because obviously it's on the ski slopes and they used to dealing with accidents all the time. So they have a bit of a, a system in place. So there wasn't much discussion as to what was going to happen. And uh, I just took it for granted they were going to set it. Mm. But they don't ask you or tell you. Mm. Uh, so I was hanging around the following day all day waiting for the operation. Uh, and it wasn't until... Uh, evening that I was uh, prepped and ready to go so it was already dark by then mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I remember being wheeled down to the theatre.
0: So in that time between waiting for your operation did you have to just keep your leg just completely still? I honestly
1: can't remember I really? don't remember uh, 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 yeah must have been a mobile it was probably in a splint
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, that was for the day during the day yeah must have been but uh, I don't remember that. That bit.
0: And was it fairly painful while you were waiting? No, wasn't no, okay. painful.
1: wasn't painful. I don't know if they'd given me uh, some sort of drugs, but I don't remember it being that painful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: So how were you getting your information? Because you were in yeah. France, was there? Yeah,
1: I do speak a bit of French, so I was getting the gist of what was happening. But as I say, there, there didn't seem to be much communication. Mm. I remember... The uh, anaesthetic, I was expecting a general anaesthetic. And uh, they said, right, you're ready for the epidural. And mm-hmm. I said, epidural? I thought there'd be a general anaesthetic and they just looked at me and there was an orderly on one side, each of me, and they both lifted me up off the uh, off the trolley. And as I was asking what was happening, they put the epidural in my back and that was it.
0: So there was no coming round because you weren't so you weren't under general so it wasn't like waking up afterwards No,
1: no. Mm -hmm. so you're totally aware they wheeled me in and I was totally aware as to what was happening, could see what was happening in the reflections in the window I could hear what was happening it was the end of the day and I got the impression the surgeon was a bit tired he was quite an angry type of person, I remember him shouting at people Uh, he was falling out with the guy who was doing the x-ray Uh, and uh, I could hear all this, and because I understand a bit of French, I could understand what they were saying, and uh, I could see what was happening, the reflection in the window. At one point, they were putting the pin in, so it was going to be a pin through the knee, Mm -hmm. down the leg, to connect the two broken pieces of bone, and they brought the wrong pin, Mm -hmm. so he couldn't get it in, and he threw it across the room and shouted, A sort of obscenity and the nurse had to run out and get the next pin the right pin that was the right size and uh, they had a trouble getting it in and so they were banging it you could hear the noise of the hammer hitting the pin trying to get into the bone and it wasn't going so after a while he just gave it a big thump and it went in and that was uh, that was ready to go but I couldn't feel anything I could just hear and then they finished the operation and uh, then, yeah, they wheeled me out, took me, uh, took me back to the ward, dozed me up with morphine, mm, mm. And, that, and that was there.
0: So quite a graphic description of Kevin's surgery there, as I imagine it's not an experience that you would easily forget. Kevin described how the surgeon was falling out with the person who was doing the x-ray. In this context, to fall out means to have a disagreement and to be angry or upset with the person you are falling out with. Another word there that might be new to you is thump. The surgeon gave the pin a big thump to get it in. This means to hit something very hard. For example, if you fought with your brothers and sisters when you were younger, you might have given them a big thump on the arm if they were annoying you. So the first question was about the use of the idiom, funnily enough. And Kevin used this to describe the coincidence that his friend he was skiing with at the time of his fall was a doctor. Can you remember what was going through your mind at the, the time of the accident when it actually happened? What?
1: No, not really, because the accident just happened. One minute you're standing up, next minute yeah. you're lying down, and you, you know you've broken it. Funnily enough, the guy behind me who I was skiing with was a doctor. Right. So he came, and I do remember uh, a woman stopping. Uh, and I, I remember lying there in the snow, and my head was on her lap.
0: <laughs>
1: and so that was uh, quite a thing. But otherwise, I don't remember very much, to be honest.
0: And to have your head there on someone's lap means to rest your head on the top part of someone's legs. So that's their thighs. Because the lap, your lap is the surface you create with your thighs when you sit down. So this is obviously quite a close position to be in with someone you don't know. So it's a memory that stood out for him from the accident. And question two, why was Kevin's break more complicated than a common fracture? Kevin told us how this was because it was a spiral fracture.
1: And I fell and suffered a tibia and fibula fracture. Mm. Complicated because it was I didn't know at the time, but it was a, um, a spiral fracture, fracture.
0: A spiral fracture?
1: Which apparently is a little more complete, uh, complicated than a straight break.
0: So a spiral fracture goes around your bone, a bit like a spiral or corkscrew shape, rather than going across the bone and straight across the bone this happens when a strong twisting pressure is applied which causes the bone to break and it's more common in longer bones such as the tibia and fibula as uh, Kevin found in his experience so the second half now is Kevin describing being on morphine Morphine is a very strong painkiller medication um, and a side effect of taking morphine can be hallucinations. That's another word for visions and visions of things that aren't there or uh, things that aren't really happening. Can you hear what Kevin says he hallucinated? The other thing we'll hear about is the further surgery and why Kevin required this after returning to the UK. Listen for how the surgeon in England made sure he operated on the correct leg. What precautions did he take? Uh, And what do you remember about being on morphine?
1: Yeah, i would never been on morphine before. I, again, in France, I think they use a fairly pure form of anaesthetic morphine or whatever. And so I do remember in the night uh, hallucinating a bit. Mm-hmm. I used to think I was floating on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have, they gave it to you at regular intervals. And sometimes when you felt a bit of pain, and there was quite a lot of pain at times, I would ask for the morphine and one occasion the, the, the nurse who was on duty for the first night or two she would give me morphine in the night and one night the third night I woke up and I was asking for morphine and it was a different nurse and the nurse refused to give me the morphine she said I'd had too much already so I was started screaming asking for more morphine and they would give it to me I remember that but uh, now the morphine was strange as I say used to have strange dreams mm. in the night
0: uh, so how long were you in hospital after the operation after the operation
1: i'm trying to think maybe 2 3 days 4 days wow. um and uh, then i was looked after i had very good insurers mm-hmm. so they would do all the all the formalities for me got me home on the plane and uh taken to the airport i, I don't remember much about that but i was on the air plane got picked up at the other end and came home and uh was recuperating and mm. uh, that was yeah that was then I, I i i do remember that um there was a lot of scarring okay yeah and over in france they use staples to close mm. the wounds right which we don't use in the uk or as i understand it not very often and what i didn't know is that the staples have to be removed and what so I don't know what I was expecting them to fall out or maybe come out but eventually they started disappearing into the flesh of my leg and sort of ingrowing, until a friend of mine who was a nurse said you need to take those staples out and uh, so she was a nurse so she actually took them out I was sitting on the settee in the sitting room and uh, she took the uh, Took the staples out for me.
0: And how long had they been in?
1: Uh, quite a long time, <laughs> a week, a few weeks. Too long, too, too long, long, because they'd started disappearing.
0: Uh, so you didn't have a cast on your leg or anything. It was just. Uh,
1: did I have a cast on my leg? No, not not a not a plaster. No plaster. Mm-hmm. No, it was something I can't remember. Bandages, I think. Mm, bandages. And then I went to a specialist um, just to see how things were going. But um, the specialist said the operation wasn't working. Uh, the bones weren't knitting together mm-hmm. uh, for some reason. And in fact, the pin that had been put in there was keeping the bone apart. Right. And uh, I needed to think of another... We, they needed to think of another way of doing it. Because obviously, if the bone didn't join together, well, it wouldn't work. Mm. So I was referred to another specialist... Uh, because they were struggling a little bit as to how they may sort it. Mm. And uh, that specialist came up with an idea, which is uh, using what they call an external fixator. Mm -hmm. And uh, even then they said, um, because the operation hadn't worked, this might not work. Mm. And uh, it it, it wasn't 100%. And and one of the things he said to me was... um, You've got to be. you got to think about this, that, because if it doesn't work, one of the options is what we may have to amputate your leg. And I remember when he said that, I laughed, and he said, "No, you shouldn't laugh." He said, "Because it's a serious consideration. You should be thinking about these things." Wow. So we said, "Yeah, okay, we'll go for the external fixator."
0: Gosh, did you have any? Idea that it wasn't going well. Was it? No, only because
1: only because of the X-rays, and it was only because the specialist in England said it isn't going well. But from the outside, from what I was doing, you couldn't tell. okay I was still I was walking with crutches, and so it was taking weight. Uh, It just wasn't healing.
0: Okay, okay. So, did you have to go away and think about that then? Not
1: really, because there wasn't really any other solution. So uh, we, uh, because I had insurance, uh, medical insurance, we could do the operation fairly swiftly. Mm-hmm. So the operation was, the uh, uh, date was fixed. Mm-hmm. I saw the specialist, the surgeon who was doing the operation and then we were on our way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um and that you were under general anaesthetic at that time
1: yeah i knew it was going to be general anaesthetic again because they explain and uh, there's quite a lot of preparation and uh, discussion mm-hmm. obviously they have to um, be careful because they want to make sure they've told you all the possible risks and side mm-hmm. effects and uh, on the day of the operation he comes in he visits you in the hospital bed and he asks you which leg it is and you show him the leg and he gets a yellow paint spray out and he mm. puts a big yellow arrow on the right leg so he doesn't get, make a mistake in the operation. Mm-hmm. You wheel down and I remember having the anaesthetic. Well, I didn't know it was an anaesthetic. They put a tube in my arm and the anaesthetist was talking to me. Then all of a sudden I don't remember anything else till mm-hmm. I woke up.
0: Did you have to fast before then, then presumably? I can't
1: remember. Probably, yeah, I would have, yeah, because of the general anaesthetic, I would have fasted, Mm -hmm. not eaten and what have you.
0: So then when you came around um, after that operation, can you remember how you felt?
1: Yeah, I came around fairly suddenly, quickly, and when I looked down, I was in the corridor of the theatre, and uh, the leg that was broken was my left leg, and it was my right leg that was wrapped in sort of cotton wool and bandages. Right. And I thought they'd done the wrong leg. But what had happened is, because in the general anaesthetic, I'd been thrashing around after they'd fixed the uh, external fixator, which, of course, is metal yeah. and lots of screws and bolts and what have you. I'd been thrashing around with my legs and my the metal external fixator had been hitting my other leg and cutting it. So what they had to do was wrap my right leg in cotton wool and sort of uh, bandages so that it didn't get hurt when I was uh, thrashing around but once I'd come around from the anaesthetic it was fine I obviously knew Yeah. and then I remember getting back to the theatre and the doctor said would you like to have a look at what we've done and mm-hmm. I said mm, go on then because obviously it's a big deal having this big metal mm. cage on your leg and yeah there it was
0: Right there we go Uh, So Kevin told us that he hallucinated, he was floating on the ceiling. Uh, And what do you remember about being on morphine?
1: Yeah, I've never been on morphine before. Again, in France, I think they use a fairly pure form of anaesthetic morphine or whatever. And so I do remember in the night uh, hallucinating a bit. Mm -hmm. I used to think I was floating on the ceiling.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's important that healthcare professionals make sure patients are aware of side effects from medications such as this, as they can be quite surreal and scary for the patient. Okay, secondly, the precaution that the surgeon took to ensure he operated on the right leg was to paint a yellow arrow on it. And when I say right leg, I mean here the correct leg. Not right as in left and right, because if you remember, it was his left leg that was broken. And when Kevin came round, though, all the bandages and cotton wool were actually on his uninjured leg. And he told us how this was because when he was under anaesthetic, he'd been moving around so much that all the metal work and the screws and the metal... The external fixator that was needed to fix his broken leg had been cutting the other leg. You might have heard Kevin use the verb to thrash. To be thrashing around means to be moving in a violent or quite dramatic way. Okay, so lots of good English there uh, that we've heard. And I hope you find that interesting. I've never worked in orthopaedics myself, so it was really interesting for me to learn a bit more about broken bones and orthopaedic surgery. I hope you will listen to part two of the interview to find out how it was for Kevin to have the fixator on his leg, as well as when he eventually was able to have this removed. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed the episode, please do rate my podcast if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and do recommend it to other Other English language students to help them with their English language practice and studying. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care and speak to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.